Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Can I get a boomer? Oh, man. Gosh, are you already tired? Can I get a boomer? If you love Jesus, say I do. Man, hey, you know what I love about that song? Is it says I'll never stop singing your praise, and then our like our light board is flashing, and like the devil's in is in is in the wires today, guys. He's trying not to let us worship. We don't need those daggum words, do we? All right, maybe. Okay. Um, listen, how many of y'all have enjoyed First Peter so far? Man, I loved it. Um, I think it's just such a blessing to be able to walk through a book and be able to just kind of see how the author is just building uh, from himself and learning how what's going on, what's uh, going on at that time, trying to explain the text, trying to see just the meat of the text. And then the last thing is seeing how it applies to us. And I just think it's just been so real. I think it's been so um, just... Uh, I think somewhat convicting. I think someone has been uh, able to help us and uh, be able to do everything. So scripture should always lead before action. And you should surround yourself with scripture. You should memorize scripture. You should live scripture. And you can get Tuesday nights and be able to learn scripture. And, and hopefully that we can learn from the text. We can learn uh, what is going on in the Bible. But also I would ask you all to please go and uh, be in church on Sunday morning. And be able to let your pastor open up this text and get this text in just a real way and explain the text and um, uh, be able to teach you about it. Because I think sometimes we can go to a church where they open up the text, they read a little bit of it, they, they read a little bit of it, and then they'll give you five motivational like, points about it, amen? But like, let's find people that can teach us the text and the Word of God. I also think that you need to put, be a part of a small group. I think that as college students, you need to be able to open the word together and be able to um, just dissect the text and be able to uh, encourage one another and motivate one another and be able to support other people, hold other people accountable because I think that small group, that life group situation is so holy and it's so powerful. Now listen, um, I I just want us to be real tonight because crossover, we're real, okay? I just want to see a show of hands of people tonight. If, if you are not a part of a small group or life group that holds you accountable to things, if you would raise your hands if you are not a part of one of those. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Man, okay. Listen, let me just, let me just tell you something that was a big failure, a part of my life, is that I did not let Scripture guide my life in college. And one of the biggest reasons for that was because I was not a part of a small group. I did not have the great friendships to, to encourage me, to uh, protect me in some areas, and to, to be able to help motivate me to be in Scripture. A lot of times that Bible sat on the shelf, right? And, and I did the life that, that I wanted to live. I did the things that, that I wanted to do. Yes, I knew Jesus. Yes, I knew what Jesus wanted for me. But let me tell you, like, like Scripture just wasn't a, a, a huge motivating part of, especially the first part of my college career. 
And when I think back upon that, if I can just be honest with you, one of the ways that I see how Scripture wasn't the biggest part of my life is because of how the way that I dated. And yes, we're going to have a dating sermon tonight. Are you, well, are you excited for that? We kind of snuck that one in on you, okay? Because sometimes when I say we're dating, like the boyfriends don't allow their girlfriends to come, all right? Like maybe that's a sign for itself, girlfriends. I don't know, right? Calling them up, not calling them out. Okay, maybe calling them out just a little bit. But tonight, this is what I hope and I pray. I hope that you can learn uh, from a guy who did it wrong a lot of, a lot of times in college. And, and I hope that you can learn how to be able to let Scripture provide provide some direction on, on dating and provide scripture uh, to provide a way that we are supposed to be husbands and we are supposed to be wives and how can we take what's going on in this text and apply it to our time and age today. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, continuing our 1 Peter series. And this is how it starts. It says, Likewise, Wives, be subject to your husbands, so even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without word by the conduct of their lives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let the adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah uh, obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since their uh, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I know some of you are looking at this text and saying like, why is there so much scripture about wives and there's only like two, two pieces of scripture about husbands? Like some of you are probably wondering that. But what I can say is when I read this text, I can actually feel and discern uh, Peter's knowledge on the matter that, that he knew how much marriage could impact one's life. I've heard it said this way, that with one look, one word, one touch, your spouse can make you feel as high as a mountaintop or as low as a valley. And some of you may have seen firsthand how much a bad marriage can not only impact a husband and a wife, but how devastating it can be to their children. By a raise of hands, I just, I just want to know this. How many of y'all have been impacted by divorce in your own life? Man. This is my hope for tonight. Is my hope is that, that I hope that we can fall in love with the right person and we can be true to the vows that we will say someday till death do us part. I, I hope and I pray that. And I hope that our marriage can be built and sustained with the love of Jesus, and we're both laboring for his will for that marriage to be complete in Jesus. Listen, marriage is tough. That is why over 50% of marriages fail in America. But I believe, truly believe, that Peter is reaching out to a specific situation here. 
There is a specific situation that he is trying to teach about uh, with, with, uh, within marriage. There are specific roles that he is trying to touch on about roles in marriage. Marriage, marriage roles are they're, they're equal, but yet they are different. There's a role for a husband, and there is a role for a wife. And I think for tonight, I want us to simply understand what Peter is addressing to just wives tonight. And I want to see how what he says about wives, if we can be able to learn something uh, for what he's teaching them, and maybe we can apply it to the college-age student for 2022. So what does he say here? He says, first and foremost, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if they, some don't obey the word, they might be able to know Jesus because of your conduct. I believe that Peter could be talking to one of two types of wives here. The first wife I think he might be able to talk to is the one that we first see first and foremost, is maybe these are... These are a man and a wife, and they got married, and at some point, the wife heard about Jesus and, and the love that he had for her, and how he came and died for her and, and rose again to conquer sin and give her a life uh, more abundance, and she starts, she starts just loving Jesus. Now, this is a problem because culturally at this time, a wife would marry a husband, and then she would follow him. In whatever matter that he had, if, if he believed in the God of goats, she would believe in the God of goats with him, and she would do life with him. But now there's a conflict, because he believes in the God of goats, and, he, and she believes in Jesus, and now there's going to be conflict within that marriage, and Peter's like, you know what? I might have something for you here. But there also could be another wife. It could be a wife where the husband and the wife, they found out about Jesus together, and they knew about Jesus, and they got married under the biblical basis of Jesus, and at some point, the husband has turned away from biblical truth, and he's not living for Jesus anymore, and this wife still is, and she's trying to be the woman of God that she needs to be, even though her husband is not living by the word of God anymore. Now there's conflict because she's trying to live for Jesus, and he's not. And Peter is saying to each of these women, maybe, just maybe, if you conduct your life in such a way, you might be able to win your husbands back over to Jesus. Respect them, love them, encourage them. And when they see the Jesus inside of you, they will see that they will need Jesus inside of them. I believe it's pretty easy for us to understand. Does that mean that every time that they act like Jesus and be like Jesus, their actions are always going to lead their, lead their husbands back to Jesus? No, it doesn't. There are many women who begged and pleaded with God for their husbands to know Jesus. They were weeping in their prayer closet, either for their husbands to know about Jesus or for them to turn back to Jesus, and they never did. And students, let me just be honest with you. There are a lot of wives in today's world 
who beg and plead for their husbands to know Jesus. They have called Caroline and I multiple times just asking for counsel or encouragement because their husbands don't know Jesus or they haven't or they have turned their backs on Jesus and they have begged for help from us. They are living in fear that their kids will not be able to sit on their daddy's lap on a beautiful sun night and be able to say, you know what, kids, listen, this is a beautiful day that the day that the Lord has made. I'm thankful that he has blessed me to be your father. I'm thankful that he has blessed me with your mama. I'm thankful that he has brought us through some hard times. He's encouraged me, but man, he's loved me. And guess what? He loves me so much, he can love you the same. He can encourage you the same. Let me tell you about what he has done for me. Let me tell you what he can do for you. Like they're, they're so discouraged because they're not gonna have a husband that can lean on Jesus like that. And wives wish that their husbands They wish that they had a partner to do life with when life gets hard. They wish they could have a husband that they could lean on and say, listen, I am weak. Can you be strong? And that husband can say, you know what? I can be strong. Let's go back to Jesus. Let's pray about it. Let me tell you some scripture about life right now. And they're begging for that. And it's so awesome to be able to see a wife that's consistent in her faith and consistent in her conduct, and when the husband sees Jesus inside of her, that they see the need for Jesus to be inside of them. Now, obviously, y'all are in college. Most of you are not married yet, and you're like, well, how the heck does this apply to us? This is wives and husbands, like, like, like I'm single. Like, I haven't even been on a date yet. Amen, hallelujah, single people. Come on now, right? You're like, no, I don't want to say yes, right? Hey, rejection might be protection. Come on now, let's preach about that. <laughs> How does this apply to me, Brent? Like, is, I, I don't get this. Like, but this is why I think Scripture can help us so much. If I can see anything from this text, I can see something, that the quality of your conduct now can affect the quality of your future husband then. And here's why I say that, because Peter's telling these wives that their conduct, no matter the situation that they are in, should always reflect Jesus. So when their fallen or their pagan husband looks at their life, they can see Jesus. So the quality of their conduct mattered. How she conducted her life in the things that she does, in the things that she says, in the ways that she reacts, in the way that she has fun, it excludes, it exudes the tender love and mercy of Jesus. Essentially, her conduct mattered because it would either point her husband to Jesus or it'd point her husband away from Jesus. So ladies, how does this scripture apply to us? How does conduct, conduct matter to us? Simple, the quality of your conduct now will set the bar of the quality of guy that will want to marry you. And Peter is given fair warning that there's two types of guys that you need to avoid marrying. Those who don't know Jesus or those who, do, who are not passionate about loving Jesus. And your conduct now should be pointing to Jesus in such a way that it does not allow these types of men into a dating atmosphere with you. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to love them. 
I want you to encourage them. I think that they need to be a part of your prayer journal. I think they need to be a part of your missional list between you and your friends. And you're like, hey, we need to tell this guy about Jesus. We need to love on him to the feet of Jesus. We need to support him to Jesus. But they should never have access to your heart. Dating is not meant to bring someone to the feet of Jesus. Dating is meant to meet someone who is already there. Here's why. Because your life will be so much easier and so much more freeing to have a man that is locking arm to arm with you when, when this world gets tough. And he can say, you know what, but we got Jesus. He can show you love like Jesus. He can encourage you like Jesus. He can love others like Jesus. He can bring up your children with a biblical principle and a goal in mind. He can be like Jesus. And if I were you ladies, I would be one ugly lady. Amen? <laughs> but if I were you ladies, I would want to marry a man of God that will love you and your family like Jesus does, not like the world tells him that he should. So what does that mean for us? The quality of your conduct, conduct now can affect the quality of your husband. How? Because the quality of your con conduct now exposes something. It exposes the quality of your relationship with Jesus right now. How you handle yourself now exposes where you are at with Jesus right now. And if your conduct is aimed at Jesus and you align your life with Jesus and you love people like Jesus and you talk about Jesus and you learn the words of Jesus and your value is found in Jesus and your conduct starts looking like Jesus, only men who have that same conduct will ever have credibility to even think about entering the dating, the dating atmosphere with you. So what can Scripture expose in our life right now? Now I want you to track with me here. I want you to be real with me. I want you to let Scripture just kind of breathe over you. It's not calling you out. It's calling you up right now. This world doesn't want you to hear it. The devil doesn't want you to hear this. But Jesus does. This is the simple fact here. If the people you are dating, or you have dated, let's just say, in the last two years, if they are not saved, or they don't follow Jesus passionately, this is the hard truth, maybe it's because you might not be saved, or you might not be as passionate about Jesus as you really think you are. Can we be honest about that? Now, I don't want you to shut me down. I don't want you to hate me, all right? I want, you, I want you to be real with yourself. I want you to be real with Jesus. Only you and Jesus know if, you are, if, you are written, if your name is written in the book of life. Only you and Jesus know if you have fallen down on your face and you have known that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and you have begged and pleaded, Jesus, please be the Savior of my life and you have given your life to Jesus. Only you and Jesus know that. Only you and Jesus know about the quality time that you spend with one another. Only you and him know how many times you are still and you know who God is and you know who God isn't. Only you and Jesus know about the quality of relationship between you and him. Maybe for some of you, it's starting to click right now. It's starting to be a reality like, like I never knew about Jesus. But if I could conduct myself like I have the, the last couple of years, 
man, it's really starting to show me something. It's showing me that maybe, maybe I don't know Jesus. Or maybe it's like, maybe I'm just not as close to Jesus as I should be. Is it fair to say that Peter has given us a warning about two types of guys that we should try to not enter into marriage with because it'll make marriage extremely difficult for you? Those who are not saved and those who are not following Jesus passionately, wouldn't it be wise? Wouldn't it be wise to set up our lives in such a way to help avoid that type of pain? The quality of our conduct exposes the quality of the relationship we have with Jesus. And when that is fixed, and when you have your eyes on Jesus and you're thriving with Jesus, and everything is good and our conduct reflects our our relationship with him, listen, I'm going to tell you this, is that it will actually void out the guys in your life that you don't need, and it will bring the right guys in your life that you do need. Now, ladies, listen, if you want your marriage to look like Jesus, Your dating life needs to look like Jesus. But if you want your dating life to look like Jesus, then your personal life needs to look like Jesus. How you conduct your life now influences the types of people that you have around you. The simple fact is, if I can just break down this scripture, you show me who you date and I'll show you how close to Jesus you want to be, amen? I love how Peter writes. Like, I really don't have to preach anything but what Peter says. Like, like I love how he writes and he just builds upon himself and I can kind of see what's going on in the text and I'm trying to apply it to this life. So uh, I love what Peter says. He goes from there and he kind of gives us just uh, two qualities of two points of conduct that are helpful and beneficial uh, to these thriving uh, women of faith in a very difficult Circumstance. First and foremost, he says in chapter uh, 3, verse 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair or, or uh, putting on of gold jewelry or clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of your heart with imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very, very precious. Now, do we really think that Peter is saying, like, ditch all fashion, ditch everything in your life. You don't have to worry about prettying yourself up. Like, some of you are like, I hope so, right? Like, like I, hope I, I hope that's what it says. Like, how many of y'all are ready for hoodie season? Amen? Come on now. All right. Now, listen, freshmen, let me, let me give you a little advice here. I call fall season the ponytail lampshade season. All right? Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. Here in the next week or two, you're going to go over here and buy you a 2 or 3X hoodie, okay? Maybe get you a hat, crossover hat. We've got two colors. You can, you can change it up, all right? But listen, when it gets a little cooler outside, you need to put on your, your hoodie that goes down to your knees. You need maybe get you some Lululemon pants, get you some hokas, all right, to, to, to finish it all off, all right? And then you look on Campus Corner, and all these girls look like little lampshades out there, right? <laughs> With their big old hoodies going on. I don't know why I said that. But that's like varsity level OU like student right there, okay? The bigger the hoodie, the better the Christian, I always say. Amen, hallelujah. I don't think Peter's necessarily don't, don't care about your image. I think what he is saying is that beauty needs to also be just as important on the inside. And why is this important for Peter to say to these women right here? 
Because to really get to your husband's attention, your beauty has to extend deeper than just your skin level. And the men of the world at this time, they knew what physical beauty looked like on the outside, but they had no idea the power of inner beauty, what it looked like on the inside. And if you look here, if you look at this word adorning, it means to enhance the appearance of something. So you add decorations to enhance the, the appearance of your house, or you add jewelry to enhance your appearance, and so on and so forth. So Peter is saying is that if you want to enhance your beauty, which is an imperishable beauty, that beauty that you cultivate now is something that you can keep on making more and more beautiful for all of eternity. It can be adorned by what? By being gentle and quiet in spirit, which is what? Which is precious to God. Some of you Enneagram 8s are like, I, I, I ain't gonna be no gentle. I ain't gonna be quiet. Like, you ain't trying to hush me, right? Like, like I know some of y'all Enneagram 8s are like, like quivering right now. I ain't gonna be submissive, right? Maybe just some of you, okay. But what if Peter is tracking on to something here? Like, like what if he does have this magic like formula, and instead of trying to put these two words together, let's just not like put them together, like you need to be gentle and quiet, right? Like, like you don't put them together, but what if you saw it this way? Like wives, there are times where you need to be gentle, and wives, there are some times where you need to be quiet. Now, let's look at gentleness, like gentleness, like some of you are like, gentleness is weakness. If I'm gentle, that means I'm weak. Now, now, now look at who Peter is talking to here. Like he is telling this woman of God who has married either this pagan or the, someone who is a deserter of Jesus. All right? Someone who's running away from Jesus. Someone who is denying Jesus. And they are telling this person to be gentle to that type of man. Maybe their husband disrespects them because they have no word to lean on. They have nothing to live by than what the, what the world tells them. Maybe their husband lies to them. Maybe their husband acts like the world. Maybe their, their husband has no respect. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. Let me see how strong you are by how gentle you are. See, gentle is different than quiet because gentle is getting your point across in such a way that other people can hear it and leaving the aroma of Jesus still in the room. Better way to say it is gentleness is expressing your feelings filtered through your faith. Because when you filter first, you really see what needs to be said first and you see how Jesus wants you to say it. If someone is saying something hurtful about you or something disrespectful, it's like, it's like, what do you do first? Well, if you filter it, you can take a step back and you say, you know what? Jesus said that I need to turn the other cheek. Jesus said that he will defend me. Jesus said that I need to forgive people 77 times, seven times. Jesus said um, uh, that my attitude should be coming from a place of peace, not from a place of fear or anger. And lastly, how I'm about to say this, is this reflective of how much control I want to give to Jesus in this circumstance? Gentleness can only happen when you want to show Christ's love over your own pride or anger. 
So Peter here is saying your gentleness is not a weakness. It's actually your greatest strength. Gentleness um, can expose how close you are to Jesus. It's actually your greatest strength because it's submitting your feelings to be filtered through your faith. And by the time that words come out of your mouth, they can be direct, but they can leave the aroma of Jesus with them. Listen, gentleness gives the other person something as well. It gives them another option. It gives them an option to respond in gentleness. Because anger and pride, if it is wrath down on them, if you want to tell them how it is, if you want to walk up one side of them and down the other, it will only put them in anger or a defensive mode. It will never promote gentleness. Gentleness always promotes gentleness. Because if you act like the world and talk like the world, they will only see the world. But if you want to be different, if you want to show who is king of your life, have the filter through Jesus and show them Jesus because when they can see Jesus, they can be like Jesus. But being quiet is second. Now listen, spiritual maturity, like 101, the more spiritual mature that you will get, the more that you will see when you need to speak and when you don't need to speak. Because if there comes a time where you don't know what to say and you can't figure out the angle to present your faith in that situation, it's time to be quiet. Some of us in here, let's just be honest, some of us in here, we have no problems expressing ourselves, amen? Hey, don't be nudging your boyfriends right now, all right? We have no problems expressing ourselves, but a lot of times we get in trouble because we talk too much. This is what being quiet does for someone. It allows the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit, not only be, be before you, but also before them. Sometimes some of us, we don't know how the Holy Spirit or what the Holy Spirit can do for us because we are never quiet long enough for him to speak into us. Amen? Listen, girls, let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you what, what's the real thing. All right, let's just get real. Like a girl who has passions and emotions, yes, that's great. But if she is able to filter those through her, her faith and express herself in such a way that it says pleases the Lord, like that's very attractive to dudes, all right? A Christian dude is looking for a gentle girl. Yeah, you can have your feelings. You can have your emotions. You can be direct, but be directed through the filter of Jesus and leaving the aroma of Jesus. If you have beautiful insides, if you have a beautiful heart, if you love people like Jesus does, that's what's most attractive to, to most guys who have a heart and, and compassion for Jesus. You want to be beautiful. Make sure you're beautiful on the inside. Maybe, just maybe, if we cared uh, more on what we sound like than what we look like, we could, we could set ourselves up for success on what our future husbands could be. But lastly... I got just I got one more point, guys. Lastly, let's be real quick here in verse five and six. But this is how the holy women hoped in God, who would adorn themselves, to be submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and not fearing anything that is frightening. Peter said, 
the thing of adorning is submitting to your husband. And Sarah did this to Abraham and called him Lord. Now, don't beg your wife to call you Lord, all right? I don't, think you sh- I don't think you should call your husband Lord, but I think that what you should do is find a husband that is worth uh, your time to be able to submit to, worth trusting in his leadership. And we're going to talk more about husbands next week. But how can we apply this one text to single women in, the- to single women in this room? If we are called to submit, to honor, to encourage, to help, to bring up our husbands, our best friends, our children's father, our spiritual authority in our house, ladies, the only way you know who and how to trust in this role is how well you submit to God in your singleness. Like really knowing God's rhythm in your own life knowing his will for your life, knowing how he works and he operates, what spiritual strengths that you have in your own life, like when you step out on faith, how he encourages you and supports you because only when you know the God of who you need to be with is the only way that you will know if the husband that you're looking at, if he knows that same God because you can feel how he connects with God. You can see how he has a relationship with God because you have already been there. And when the God in him and the God of you, when they connect, you just connect in such a way and God says, you know what, this is the guy for you. And you will want to be able to say, man, I want to submit to you and I want to be able to help and encourage you and I want you to to lean on me and I want to help and I want you to help and encourage me as well because when you know the God that he needs to serve, then he knows the God that he needs to serve. That's when you know that he is the right guy for you. And I hope that we... Uh, as we close up tonight, and as the band comes up, um, I really want to say something. Uh, I, don't, I don't want you to hear this sermon and think that this is a fix-all, be-all to find your husband. And guys, I don't want you to look at this husband and think this is a fix-all, be-all for your wife. What I hope that you see is that when Jesus is the center of your life, it can prevent you from a whole lot of hurt and pain. And if you honor God in your single life, then it will be very easy for you to honor God in your married life. And I hope that you see when you lay your life down, ladies, and and God is real to you and you love him and you feel his love for you, you won't feel the need to settle for somebody who doesn't love Jesus that way. But you will only want a guy who can love and lead like Jesus loves you. That is my hope and prayer.